Let's talk about the circle of life. The life cycle of every item you wear starts long before you put it on for the first time and continues long after you wear it for the last time. It's probably not something you've thought about much, and unfortunately, it's not something every maker thinks about either. ABCH is an Ethical Clothing Australia accredited label based in Melbourne that employs circular design principles, a regenerative system in which resource input and waste, emission and energy leakage are minimised and the full life cycle of each garment is considered. Since its launch in 2017, ABCH has done all its manufacturing in Melbourne, citing much greater control over production quality, minimised wastage and ability to maintain adaptive timelines as its main motivations. This week, I'm talking to ABCH's Courtney Home about creativity, transparency and accountability and about how an ECA accreditation has helped connect her label with customers looking for ethical Australian-made garments. I'm Brittany Dreghorn. I'm the founder and editor at Brits List, an online publication dedicated to telling the stories of ethical and sustainable Australian fashion brands. And this is The Quick Unpick. home welcome to the quick unpick thanks for having me you're so welcome now we'll jump straight in Courtney I know a little bit about you enough to feel like creativity and design is in your blood um where did your designer journey start um I think that for me I was always really creative I guess as a child and um I was interested in a lot of different things. So I was, I was a dancer. I did singing. I did acting. I did, I loved art. Um, like I had so many different passions that were in the creative field. Definitely. Um, I was always pushed to do something more, um, more academic or, or more, um, (laughs) secure in a career outcome. But I, um, I don't know. I've just always been a creative person. And I guess when I finished school, I just come out of, um, doing a full-time like ballet program. And that kind of woke me up to the fact that I definitely did not want to become a dancer in my career and decided that instead I would, um, you know, just try fashion (laughs) because I love drawing, love sketching. I'd been like sketching these little designs in my notebook and I'm like, oh, these are pretty great. I mean, I look back on them now and I'm just like, oh my goodness, I was so bad and I didn't even know. Um, But whatever, um, like it, it got me started. And so when I finished high school, I, I did a couple of like things at uni where I was testing things out. I did some creative writing and some journalism. And then I was like, I just need to take a few years off and figure out what I want to do. So I did that. And then I was like, all right, I'm going to go study fashion. I'm going to move to Sydney and um, study fashion. And I just decided and applied and did it. And that's kind of how my fashion design journey kind of came to be. Um, I guess I never really knew what I wanted to do as a kid. I always it was interested in a lot of things. So it just happened that this was the thing that I've stuck with in the end. I mean, who does know what they want to do? Even when you're in the depths of it, you don't know if that's what you want to do. You're like, no, I know now. <laughs> I know now. I know now. I've, I'm in too deep. Um, but I do find it really interesting. I have met people who have known, like my husband's one of those people. He knew from like age five that he wanted to be a car designer. And that's 
that was his one thing ever in life. And so he now is a car designer and that's what he loves to do. And I'm like, how, that is amazing. how, how did you, how did you know this? Like at such a young age um, where, yeah, for me, it's been a lot more of a fluid journey. <laughs> Definitely. And I think that, you know, you talked about you study journalism and creative writing. I mean, they're all things that help in any career. So I bet that that has assisted you on this journey as well. Yeah, it was definitely like a process of elimination. I was like, oh, I like writing, I think. Um, And then realized, no, I do not want to be a writer. But it did help me. Yes, it did help me. And And I'm sure that there are things that I don't even realize that have carried over even in like the communications at ABCH and um yeah, I'm sure that there's things that have stuck with me there. But I think even just the life experience of the people you meet and the things you go through, um, I think those things are always, they always stay with me as like how I got to where I am, even if they kind of felt insignificant at the time. Definitely. And I think that it does shine through to your comms at ABCH, which are really important. Um, But for our listeners at home, uh, they don't know potentially about ABCH. Let's just talk about what kind of inspired you to start the label. Well, I studied fashion, as as I mentioned, and I think I was quite naive going into it, thinking I would become this fashion designer. I kind of had this like funny little idea that I would eventually have my own label and we would make custom clothes for women and build them like their own wardrobe that suited their body shape. And this was like my idea for like when I first started the course. And then as I was, um, as I was doing the course, I realized that I really hated women's wear and I really didn't enjoy it or, or the, what I, what I was doing at school, I didn't enjoy. And then I got, um, introduced to men's wear and then I really fell in love with that. I guess like that's kind of what I thought I would do. I was like, oh no, that's uh, that's what I'm going to do now. I'm going to do menswear. And so finished school, um, graduated uh, university, started like just dabbling in like a menswear label, just kind of started it, didn't really know what I was doing, but just was like, oh, I'm just going to make clothes and if people want to buy them, they can. Um, and then I realized that the kinds of clothes I was making for men were pretty wild and um, that there wasn't really a place I could see retail-wise where I could fit in. And so I decided to create um, a marketplace for, uh, I guess, emerging, interesting men's designers of all things. And again, this is like my life just being a journey of things to lead me back to um, <laughs> where I'm meant to be. Um, but I, I did that and that was called Men's. And we did that for two years. I met I moved to Melbourne and basically met all these amazing people in Melbourne and kind of realized that I really wanted to be a part of this community and I really loved it. Um, But then I kind of had my label. I kind of had this like um, event that I was running and it was kind of taking up all my time. And then I kind of got to the point where I was like, all right, I need to pick one thing. I just need to focus on one thing. And I kind of looked at the business and I was like, it's, it's kind of a hobby, but it is really what I want to do. And then I started thinking more about like, I guess I'd been in the back of my mind thinking a lot about waste and manufacturing. And I'd always been really um, quite um, passionate about knowing where your clothes came from. But I started to kind of worry a little bit about the environmental impact of the things I was making. And so I kind of had this whole like reevaluation and I was like, all right, am I going to do Mensk? Am I going to do article? Am I, am I even going to be a fashion designer anymore? Maybe I, maybe this is just contributing to too much um, waste in the world and no one cares. And it's like, why would I 
do this. And I kind of had this little crisis within myself. Um, and I kind of decided I would just leave it for a little while. And, um, I ended up basically going away on a honeymoon and um, taking time out just to have a think. And I, in that like moment of like peace and serenity, I was literally on the beach, like looking at beautiful water all day. And I just started to like dream about, um, I guess, what an ideal fashion label would be like, and what would be like the most, I guess, what would solve the problems that I saw that existed. Um, rather than contribute to them um, or just dodge them. And um, I guess this is where the idea of ABCH was born, was when I was away. And from that point on, I um, took the idea to, to, I told my husband about it. I took it to a couple of friends and they were like, yep, we're, we're in, like, we want to do this. This is amazing. And so um, we decided, me and um, two friends, so Camilla and Nathaniel, we decided that um, we would just get started on the business. And I had just received like this uh, small business loan for um, my previous brand for article. And I basically was like, I need to tell them that we're changing the whole business. And so we basically like completely, um, completely changed the business entirely. Like it, it has no remnants of what it was before other than the name. And um, yeah, that's, that's kind of how it got started. So it was kind of intense. And um, yeah, I think it was kind of this, this crossroad where I was like, I'm either going to be in this industry and do something like radical to change it, or I'm going to get, get the heck out while I can right now, because it's too, it's too much. I think that's a, that's definitely a common theme that I come across when I'm talking to brands for Brits List is that they feel like they're not sure, even if they're doing a sustainable label or, you know, they're making it as sustainable as they can. They're like, am I still just contributing to, you know, waste and to this whole consumption, um, you know, overload and then I think, you know, the way that the thought process generally goes is that, well, if I'm not going to do it, somebody else is. So I may as well do it the right way and put those options out there. And it sounds like, um, you know, it's always a journey for every designer and you talk about it, like you're on a journey. Um, all designers are, but you're right. I guess most people go into this industry having no idea what the impact of it is. You know, they, when you were first drawing those designs that you talked about when you were younger, they're probably all had like sequins and <laughs> synthetics and all sorts of things all over them that you wouldn't dream of touching now. Oh yeah. I was just drawing like pretty lacy dresses and whatnot. And yeah, totally. And I think the thing that I was really clear about, I guess, before we started, um, you know, actually making clothes for ABCH was that it would be really re well researched and that we wouldn't just kind of launch into it and feel our way through, but that we would really understand what sustainability meant to us. And I think that that whole research process was what got me started on the, on the journey of circularity and understanding what like a circular fashion label, if, if there ever would be such a thing, like what would it look like? Um, and how could it exist in the current system today? And I think that, um, that process of research and development was so key. And I see a lot of like um, startups and, you know, young designers who have the best intentions, but they're kind of like, I'm just going to start a label and it's going to be sustainable. And it's like, whoa, like take 20 steps back and you got to, you got to start with the basics. Like, what are you trying to achieve with this? Like, are you trying to set an example? Are you trying to change a certain aspect of the industry? Like you have to be so clear with what your values are and what you want to do with this, because I think that, 
we no longer live in a time where you can just start a label like resources are depleting and it's no you can no longer just kind of do this creative thing there needs to be so much intentionality behind it and i think that that's something i'm really passionate about trying to like like teach that and pass that on to people who might want to go on this journey as well because it's intense and it's hard um and yeah, I mean, it's rewarding as well, but it's also very, very hard. Definitely. And I think you like what you said is totally right because, you know, you don't know what you don't know. So for these new designers who are starting out, they might think they're doing the right thing, um, you know, saying that they're doing their label sustainably, but the fact is there's just so much more to it. So I think these podcasts and this conversation with you will be really helpful in, I guess, um, shining a light on all of the different ways to make your label more ethical and sustainable. Speaking of which, um, the ABC H garments are made in Australia. At what stage did you decide that you would make your clothes here and what was the driving force behind that? Well, I've always, I've always wanted to make, make clothes, um, wherever I am. So it's, it's not necessarily about like, oh, I'm so passionate about Australian made, but more about the fact that I want to be able to go visit my maker wherever, um, I am based. I want to be like very close to where they are so that we can have, a relationship where it's a two-way um it's a two-way thing where we're both you know communicating well it's not like just sending off tech packs overseas to you know faceless names and you know getting all these you know garments sent back to you like in boxes like I think for me the making process is a really big part of my um my design process and I mean, my dream is to have um, a completely like vertically integrated business where we make everything ourselves, um, which we're doing a lot of. I would say at the moment we're probably about, I mean, volume wise, we're about 50-50 in-house and then um, working with our local makers. Um, but for me, it's always it's always been important to have that close relationship. And I think um it's it's always been important for me to know that the people making clothes um, for my business would be getting paid fairly. And one thing as a small business that you really, really um, are going to have trouble guaranteeing and figuring out is if there's anything going wrong in your supply chain, if it's, if it's happening offshore. Sure, maybe bigger businesses can afford to do big audits and go over and visit all the time. I mean, you know, but all it takes is a global pandemic to stop that happening anyway. Um, and I'm so grateful for my local industry, especially at a time like this. Um, but it just means, you know, it, we, we can be a, a little bit more, uh, I guess, in control of ensuring that people are being treated fairly, that they are being paid fairly, they're covered by work cover, and, you know, they they are afforded the same um, workplace um, and workers' rights that I would be, you know, and I think that that's super important to me is to make this like an equal, um, you know, an equal partnership rather than I'm just going to find someone cheap to make my clothes somewhere, you know? Yeah, you're definitely right. And I think something interesting that you said there around, you know, even if you're a small label and you're offshoring your um, production, I mean, that's okay. Um, but you don't have that bargaining power, like you said, that bigger brands do have in terms of telling them that they have to pay their staff correctly and things like that. So, you know, there's there's the pros and cons of being small in that sense. Um, let's get a little bit technical here. What does the ABCH manufacturing supply chain actually look like? Walk me it, through it from design to dispatch. Yeah, I mean, this is a really um, 
you're asking me a, a lot of questions in one question. Um, I think, I don't know, I, it might be better to use like one garment as an example, because I think the thing about um, fashion in general is that each each design has its own complicated supply chain. And yeah, we're making everything locally, but if we're that's if we're just kind of looking at the manufacturing side of things, so the cut, make and trim. Um, but if we're going back and, you know, looking at the design part and the sourcing of the materials, like all of those materials come from somewhere. And I think that it's quite, um, I guess, eye-opening to people to hear about how complex supply chains are. They'll be like, oh, where do you get your fabric from? I'm like, which fabric? We have so many <laughs> different kinds of fabric and they all have their own like story. And I love that they all have their own story. And my part of my job is to find out what that story is. Um, but I'll use, I'll use uh, one of our pieces as an example because I think it will make it a bit more clear. Um, so we have a beautiful linen shirt. It's called the AO5 and it's just a nice, simple uh, grandpa collar style shirt. And I guess from the design process with that shirt, I mean, I am always kind of sourcing, like looking and sourcing for materials at the same time that I'm like imagining and sketching up like what the next style will be or what the design is going to look like. And I, I guess those two things happen in tandem. So I'll be kind of going all, oh, you know, designing this piece and thinking about, okay, what are the things that um, I would like in this piece, getting feedback from other people? What are we missing in our wardrobes? What do we have um, in the ABCH wardrobe that, that there's a gap or that customers have been asking for? So there's this kind of whole like, R&D, customer-centric sort of um, process going on. Simultaneously, I'm looking for the material. So, I mean, now I'm at a place where I have a pretty amazing library of materials and mills that I work with that I can draw on now. I don't have to start from scratch, but I guess in the early days, I'd have to source this material and find out the whole supply chain. And so one of the ways that I achieved that as a very, very tiny startup was to look for particular certifications. And I would say there's a lot of certifications out there that you should just not worry about at all because they're kind of pointless. I mean, I'm sure they serve a point a point somewhere, but as a like designer putting that certification on your garment, it's probably not going to be, it's not really guaranteeing anything, but there are a couple of certifications that I really do care about. And one of them is the global organic textile standard. And so the reason I like this is it's a very robust um, environmental and social um, uh, standard. They increase their standards every year. So they get stricter and stricter, which is kind of crazy because a lot of other audits get like more easy and more easy because they want more members. And so the global organic textile standard is really great because they're quite selective. They're quite um, particular and they're, um, their social standards are improving over time. Their environmental standards are like the highest of all of all the certifications. And basically it looks at um, every step in the supply chain. This is why I love this certification because it goes from harvest of the raw material and prior to the harvest, um, the soil association or wh whoever, um, I guess, certifies uh, whether the soil and the um, plant growing was done organically that is like part of this certification so yes it has to be organic it can't be genetically modified um, but then from harvest through to processing through to dyeing through to you know all of the different steps milling um, spinning which I missed out just before um, 
Each of those steps have to be certified uh, by the Global Organic Textile Standard for very strict criteria around chemicals, water, um, effluent, um, and then ensuring, I guess, that there is um, a social standard at each of those stages as well. So sorry to harp on too much about that, but that's really one thing that I found really helpful as a small brand is looking for materials that had this certification where the supplier could supply me with the documentation. So not just saying, oh, it's organic, but giving me the actual documentation of, okay, where was this grown? Where was it processed, et cetera, et cetera. Um, That was really helpful for me at the beginning. Um, So for this AO5, so the shirt that we're talking about is a global organic textile standard fabric and it's a linen and the flax which is what linen is before it becomes linen as when it's a plant growing in a field somewhere is grown in northern france and from that stage it's then sent um, locally to be swatched which is the next stage in uh, linen manufacturing it's then sent off to um to hungary to be spun and then from there it's sent to our mill in belgium and this is a really close i mean when when we're thinking about these countries they're all really close by so super low carbon footprint for this um for this raw material to be moving around in these close knit countries um and then in belgium it is um it's woven and then it's dyed and this is basically the entire supply chain of this fabric is then sent directly to us. And that's a really short supply chain for a material. So you can probably imagine how much more complicated it would be if there were, um, if it was a blend of materials or it was like a cotton garment, but there was two different kinds of yarns of cotton that came from completely different places. Um, often cotton or linen like is blended with lots of different um lots of different linens and cottons from all around the place. So you might not even be able to find that traceability. So um, the GOT standard is great for that because it helps you figure out, okay, where did this actually come from? Um, It is certified organic. The material comes in-house to us. And from here, you know, we should have the design pretty much um, figured out at this point. Um, And then we would figure out, um, you know, if there is any tweaks that need to be made based on that fabric, we'd cut and sew a sample in every size. And then from there, go in to the process of getting customer feedback about fit, about the size range, um, trying to understand, you know, if there's any tweaks that needed to be made. And then from there, we would do wear tests, wash tests. (laughs) It's very long. (laughs) It goes on and on. It does go on and on. And, you know, I could always go on and on for longer. But um, I think you know, and that that's just the fabric. Like we also have this process for the thread and the buttons, the labels that go into the garment, the care label. Um, if the material is dyed, if the print in the label is uh, an ink, you know, like all, there's all of these materials that will go into a garment that you might not even realize. Um, there's fusing that is hidden inside collars and cuffs to make them stiff. Um, you know, often that is a synthetic or laced with formaldehyde and, you know, can have health implications every time you iron that garment. So, you know, these are the things that we're looking at, looking at this holistic piece. And as we're, um, you know, kind of coming up with the design, we're also thinking, okay, what are the materials that are going to go into this garment to ensure that one, it has a really long lifespan, it's worn and loved forever and ever. Um, two, uh, you know, all of the kind of back work is done in terms of knowing where it came from and where all the raw materials came from and that they are, you know, ethically sound, um, so to speak. And then three, like what's going to happen to it at the end of its life? Like when it is no longer useful after, you know, one, two, three lifespans, who knows how many times it gets kind of passed along from a person to another, um, 
at that point, like what happens to it? Like, will it go into landfill? Um, and, you know, that's where we are really passionate about trying to ensure the whole life cycle of the garment. And we won't use a material in that garment if it's going to change um, the way that it would be able to be recycled or composted. And so these kinds of, it's kind of this circle and we, we, it's not a linear design process similar to the way circular, you know, the circular economy is, is, is not linear. Um, the way we design isn't linear either because we're constantly thinking about its lifespan and we can't make it until we've figured that whole thing out. <laughs> Yeah. And I think like that's aspirational. And what you were saying earlier with designers, you know, deciding that they've got this idea and you're saying, take 20 steps backwards. What you're really saying is think about this garment at the end of its life um, as well. So I think that that's a really great takeaway for any uh, new designers or people thinking about starting a label is, you know, what is going to happen at the end of this garment's life? I do want to ask a quick question. Um, just about all of those incredible fabrics that you were talking about sourcing, I would assume that these are less uh, easy to come across than their synthetic um, alternatives. Is it difficult to source these fabrics in Australia? Just a question for any designers that are listening. I mean, yeah, it is difficult. It's um, it's not impossible, but it's hard because we are in Australia, which is a very small manufacturing country. We don't make fabrics like we used to. And um, we used to have a really amazing denim industry and wool industry and all of these things that no longer exist um, or, or exist in incredibly tiny pockets, um, making it very hard for a small designer to access. Um, so, yeah, it can be tricky. Absolutely. And uh, a lot of our fabrics come from overseas. Like we, we purchase them directly from the mill wherever possible. Um, but they will be made overseas because we literally do not have the capability in Australia to make these kinds of fabrics. We can't make woven linen in Australia. We just, we don't have any, um, company that would be able to do that or machinery or skill. So, um, it's a, uh, it can be really tricky. Um, it also can be tricky working with local mills. I mean, I, I work with um, mills locally as well because we do have a great knitting industry still in Australia. So I'm so passionate about supporting that because just like, you know, industries have gone away. Um, I don't want the knitting industry to go away because it's, um, it's actually fantastic. And uh, we make some really beautiful fabrics here in Australia, but we don't grow, we don't grow organic cotton in Australia. We don't, um, we don't grow flax in Australia. So there's all of these materials that um, are, you know, potentially more sustainable and, and better, but um, we just don't have them here. So we're going to have to source something from overseas at some point. So whether it's the raw material that comes here to be knitted or, or, or whatever. I think it's um, really key though, like it sounds complicated and hard, but having an understanding of what, what materials, um, I guess, how they're made up, like what is the structure of different materials, understanding your knits and your wovens, understanding the fibers that would go into those and, and spinning, like trying to get a bit more nerdy on the whole textile side of things is actually really uh, beneficial because it helps you understand what you're looking for. Um, you can communicate better with your suppliers. You can talk to a mill and they're not going to be like, oh my goodness, you don't know what you're talking about. You know, so I think um, having that 
you know, extra research uh, in textiles is super important because it helps you speak the right language, I suppose. Definitely. And that will feed into my next question then or potentially answers it, which is what advice do you have for new designers going through what you've been through in the early stages of starting an ethically accredited label? I think that for new designers, I would, you know, not to be like, a, you know, to bring, you know, something super heavy when you're so excited and you're just getting started because those that is like a really important um, energy to have because that's re- that gets you through a lot of the really hard stuff at the beginning. Um, but I think it's really important to know what it's like to to run a business in Australia, especially a fashion business. It's incredibly hard and it can be incredibly um emotional and you can go through some really, um, really great moments and some really low moments. And so I think having some awareness that it's not a glamorous lifestyle, it's not all about fashion shows. And even if you do go to, you know, get your, your collection into one of Australia's fashion shows, it's probably not going to do what you think it's going to do for you um, business-wise. So I think it's like being a bit a bit realistic. And then once you kind of have that small dose of reality and you're, if you're still like, nah, this is, this is, I'm so passionate. I've got this. I really like have an amazing idea. I think that that is, that's awesome. And if you have something really unique and an idea that is incredibly um, helpful and beneficial um, that you should refine it and you should get people around you to, I guess, you know, challenge you and get as much feedback as you can. And not that every bit of feedback is something you should take on board, but it's really good just to see how other people react because it's either going to kind of spur you on or help you refine it more. So I think, um, I think being open to that and, and really understanding um, who your target market is and who those people are going to be that are going to actually help you um, build this thing. Because without a customer base, um, even, you know, just having a minimal viable customer base is, 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 so key because if you don't have that customer you can't survive and it's going to be really really hard um to keep going it's kind of like putting your time and money and effort into a hobby that just always stays a hobby like and that's fine if that's what you want to do but if you're imagining it's going to be a business you've got to have a customer base and so i guess it's a combination of really practical things taking on feedback um doing your market research, having a great unique idea and refining it with others around you. And also, I guess, knowing what's ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Incredible. And lots of takeaways in this podcast for new designers. So I think it's great. Um, My final question is around your production being accredited by Ethical Clothing Australia. It is one thing to manufacture here. Um, It's another to hand on heart uh, say that it is being manufactured ethically. Um, So I just wanted to know how important is it to um, ABCH that you do have this ECA accredited accreditation and what benefits has it brought to your business? Yeah, I think for for us, having the um, ECA accreditation has been really, um, it's been really cool because I think what it's, it's opened up like, I guess, new, a new audience to us of customers that are already interested in ethical brands, interested in Australian made. And that's been really, really awesome. Um, But it's also really helpful for um, a small business or a startup because you, um, you basically can, you don't have to do tons of hard work in following up yourself in that in that sense and most um 
most like tiny startups or, you know, one woman shows or whatever, you know, you don't have time to go and produce audits and then go and check in on everybody constantly. Like you don't have that kind of resource available to you. And, um, having ECA there, they're really good because they, they basically do that hard work for you. Um, and at the same time, they promote you, they uplift you, they're talking to their community about all the great things you're doing. And they're just a really supportive um, like network to be a part of. And it's really, I've, I found it really beneficial. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I think, I think it's a positive thing. Absolutely. And if, if you're a small brand or you're, you're thinking of starting something, I would definitely look into it because I think one, it encourages you to make here (laughs) and support those um, businesses that, that do exist in that industry that does exist here and keep it going, you know, Um, and two, it helps you build a better network, whether that's with designers, manufacturers, you kind of meet a bunch of um, different businesses that you might not have met before. And that's really helpful for you in a networking sense to, to kind of be a part of a community like that. Um, and three, it gives you like the the um, chance to find new customers. So I think you can't really go wrong with it. Can't fault it. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Courtney. This has been a super inspiring chat. So thanks for joining me on the Quick Unpick podcast. Thanks so much, Britt. Lovely to chat. Quick Unpick is brought to you by Ethical Clothing Australia in celebration of the 20th anniversary of their accreditation program and inaugural Ethical Clothing Australia Week. This podcast is produced with assistance from the content division. Music is by Brisbane-based artist Sasha McLeod, also known as Psycho. That's S-Y-C-C-O. Catch the full first season of The Quick Unpick wherever you get your podcasts starting this October.